DJ and PK, it's time to talk Utes and Wildcats with Michael Lev, the Arizona beat writer for the Arizona Daily Star. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Sprint is the network built for Unlimited with great deals on great devices every day. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Michael, good morning. Hey, how you doing? We're doing well. Michael, I'm, I'm curious going into this. We look for games. Hey, this could happen. That could happen. The could, game could break this way. It could break that way. But we're struggling with this one. Looking at Arizona's defense giving up 37 points a game, and the Ute offense seems to be humming right now. It doesn't seem like there are a lot of storylines available. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to find a path to an upset in this particular matchup. Um, frankly, I, I think that Arizona has to play a near-perfect game, and I think Utah has to have some sort of a letdown game for the upset to happen. And we have seen that in the past in this specific matchup. Um, I think it was 2015. Utah came here in November uh, as the 10th-ranked team in the country, and they ended up losing 37-30 yeah. uh, in double overtime. Um, I believe that's what the score was. Uh, so it is possible. I mean, they are college kids. You know, weird things do happen um, in Pac-12 games at night. Um, strange things sometimes happen when you go on the road. But it's still really hard to see any of that um, or believe uh, that any of that is realistically possible. So is the best that I can say about Arizona football is that Sean Miller hasn't been fired and Pace Mannion's kids playing and the basketball team's 4-0? <laughs> I mean, it definitely feels like that shift has taken place around here um, where, you know, people's attention has turned almost fully uh, to basketball. And I I understand it. I don't I don't blame them. I mean, this has been a really disappointing season for football. The second one um, in a row uh, under Kevin Sumlin. Uh, I mean, I I thought this team was capable of going uh, seven and five. Um. And there were several reasons for that. I mean, one was that it was the second year for the coaching staff and that there was supposedly a greater comfort level uh, between coaches and players and players and coaches. Um, A lot more experience coming back. They had done uh, some smart recruiting to enhance the offensive and defensive lines by bringing in some junior college talent. Um, You know, Khalil Tate was going to be in his second year with this coaching staff and was supposed to be healthier um, and a better player. And it just hasn't come together uh, on either side of the ball for a variety of reasons. So given all the problems defensively for Arizona, are the Utes going to run the ball all night? They're going to throw it. They're going to do both and have a ton of success. How, how are they going to attack here? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look statistically, um, at Arizona's defense, it, like the way to attack them is through the air. But I don't think that Utah is going to, you know, um, venture too far from its game plan. And I think it's going to come in here and try to establish the run. They are the run heaviest team in the Pac-12 and have had a lot of great success doing it. And the area, you know, if you can do that, the area where you can really exploit the Arizona defense is. Uh, by setting up the play-action pass. And I think Utah is going to establish the run and then try to set up deep shots down the field. Um, teams have had a ton of success working the middle of the field against Arizona, especially the area between the linebackers and the safeties. 
Um, we've seen that time and again. Um, and I think that sets, that suits Utah's offensive strengths really well. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's going to be a major problem for the Wildcats. And I think if I'm Arizona, I, I try to sell out to stop the run. Say, you know what? We're going to try to take this one thing away from you and kind of force you to into doing something you don't want to do. Uh, whether Arizona can actually pull that off, I think it, it's kind of, it remains to be seen, and it's, and it's kind of unlikely, frankly. So I mentioned Tate, and he burst on the scene a couple years back and was just awesome and last year injury-riddled and all that stuff. And this year it seems like he's splitting time. What can we expect as far as who's playing at quarterback? Yeah, I mean, even as bad as things seemed last year, he still threw 26 touchdown passes against eight interceptions. Um, this year, that ratio is 12 to 8. Um, so, you know, less than half as many touchdown passes, just the same number of interceptions. Um, his play has really fallen off since he had what a lot of us thought was kind of a breakthrough game um, at Colorado this year. It was probably the best passing game of his entire career. Teams started to pressure him in a way that they hadn't previously, and it, it really threw him off and, and threw off the entire offense. And then you add to that offensive line injuries, and it's been kind of a mess as far as the passing game goes. He'll split time with freshman Grant Gannell. That's what they've been doing um, the last several weeks, for better or worse. Uh, which one of them will start remains to be seen. My guess is that Tate is going to get the start because it is senior night. It's the last time he'll uh, be playing a game at Arizona Stadium. Um, and they've kind of had a fairly regular pattern where the starting quarterback will play the first two or three series. Uh, the backup will come in. And then they'll kind of play it by feel uh, in the second half. So um, we'll kind of see where that goes. I think it's kind of interesting that Tate has never really faced Utah or Utah hasn't faced Tate when he's been healthy. Um, he hadn't become the starter yet in 2017. You'll recall um, that, that Colorado game happened after Arizona had already faced Utah and Tate didn't even play in that game. And then last year he was injured heading into the game and he got hurt worse in the first quarter and has a leave. So I'll be interested to see if, you know, it's sort of a, uh, a situation where he kind of empties the tank against Utah and kind of tries to, tries to give the youth the full tape experience that they, they have yet to, uh, they've yet to have yet. So the freshman quarterback from Texas, Grinnell, is he a total pocket passer? How does he play? What might the youth see with him? Yeah, he's a different style from Tate for sure. I mean, he's legit six foot six. Um, he's physically, you know, in the mold of a Brock Osweiler or a Philip Rivers. Um, you know, pretty good athlete is capable of extending plays. Um, will take off and run every now and then, but his game is get the ball, read the defense quickly, get it out of my hands as fast as I can, uh, and into the hands of my playmakers. Whereas Tate is often looking to extend plays, create big plays. You know, I would describe Gunnell as a point guard, you know, and I would say that Tate is a playmaker. Um, that's, the, that's, the, that's the best way to describe their styles. Um, it's sort of, you know, the reason that the platoon has been somewhat effective because they're so different and it gives defenses two different things to prepare for. Um, but yeah, they're really nothing alike when it comes to their to their playing style. Is someone in trouble? 
Uh, that's a good question. Um, and I was asked that question the other day too, and I, I think it's it's fair to wonder where this thing is headed. Um, you know, this again, like I said, the second you know disappointing season in a row, barring some you know, major major upsets here at the end of the year. Um, you know, it is possible they could lose to Utah and then beat Arizona State at the end of the year, which would give them the same record as a year ago, but a different feeling heading into the offseason because you would have won that ASU game, um, which is the most important game around here. You could make a case that you know, that's a sign that things are headed in the right direction. You know, you're going to have a new quarterback, sort of a different leadership five next year. They're going to bring in a different defensive coordinator. Um, I think that the way things have gone, that next year is the critical year uh, for uh, Kevin Sumlin, um, kind of the make-or-break year where he really needs to hire the, the right defensive coordinator, and there needs to be some tangible proof that this program is headed in the right direction, you know, rather than just rhetoric that it's headed in the right direction. I assume that he is safer at Arizona than he is at other schools because they are less likely to be able to afford a buyout. Am I right about that? Uh, I think that is an accurate assumption. Um, my understanding is that it would be uh, $10 million that he'd be owed if they were to move on from him, but um, that the payment would be broken up into two chunks. Um, you know, not that $5 million is you know a small amount of money, for, for anyone. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I don't have that kind of money lying around here under my mattress or in the bank or, or uh, what have you. But, yeah, the, 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 the financial component of it is a real factor. Um, and that, that's, that's a big deal for Arizona, which um, is, you know, maybe relatively cash-strapped compared to some other schools and is also, you know, working toward a renovation of Arizona Stadium that's going to cost north of $150 million. Um, and that's a project that they want to get off the ground um, sooner than later. So I definitely think that that's a consideration. Um, obviously, the longer you go into these contracts, the lower those buyouts become. So that's another reason why I think he's going to get um, at least another year uh, to try to get this thing right. So as I understand it, he barely makes guys available for interviews and is not exactly warm and fuzzy? Mm, I mean, it, it, when he first got here, that was definitely the vibe. Um, and things have loosened up um, to a, a great extent. Um, that first spring, um, after some uh, behind-the-scenes negotiations, we were able to come up with an arrangement where we got to talk to the assistant coaches and then this past spring, we got you know assistant coaches and players, and we got someone, I want to say, three or four times over the course of spring. Um, and then they set up a structure during fall where someone would go on Mondays, and we get about half a dozen players to talk to um, on Tuesdays. So it's not as bad as it was when it first began. It's not exactly how I would like it to be. I mean, I would love to be able to talk to the coordinators, let's say, uh, periodically during the season or have a little bit more freedom to talk to freshmen, which is something that we can't do. Um, but it's been better th- uh, than it was um, when he first started. So the fan base doesn't get to know anything about the players. You're not talking to them and writing stuff about them because you got limitations on you. And the team isn't winning. So how's the enthusiasm around the program? Is What's the crowd going to be like? Or are people basically just shrugging and going to basketball games? 
Yeah, attendance has not been awesome. Um, I think the only time this year they've been over 50,000 was for the Washington game. And I don't have the figures in front of me, but I think they've been under 40 for the other uh, games this year in the, in the upper 30s, which um, is not ideal uh, for sure. Um, they've had some bad luck with start times too, which is, I know is something that you guys can relate to um, as well. You know, they were coming off a great win over uh, Colorado on the road, which is a really rare thing around here to win a road game. And then they got an 8 p.m. start for that Washington game. The fans did turn out, and it was it was a big disappointment. Um, and the, the homecoming crowd for Oregon State uh, for an afternoon game was under 40, which was kind of surprising to me because I know a lot of people had been pining for an afternoon game, and it was homecoming. Um, but it hasn't been great, and I think that even though Tucson is a great sports town, when it comes to the football program, there's still this kind of seeing is believing vibe to it, and people people will come out for a winner. Um, they come out for women's basketball now in, in a way that they haven't in years because the program is winning. Uh, baseball has great attendance for uh for for what you know, what most people get for that sport, um, football biggest stadium, um, the biggest sell, probably the worst starting time, and you combine that with a program that really hasn't gotten off the ground, um, and that's led to um, attendance that's been really frustrating and disappointing for the for the administration. Well, I don't think you cover the basketball team. Correct me if I'm wrong, but. That is true. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, you know the person who does, and whoever it is, if they need dirt on Pace Mannion, have them call us because we used to work with them up here in radio and TV, and we got all sorts of stuff we can give you that you can use to embarrass him. <laughs> People love Nico down here for sure, and this whole this whole freshman class. It's a. I mean, you talk about like you know, what's the vibe? I think the vibe around basketball right now. Is one of great enthusiasm. People are super excited um, about this freshman class, the style of ball that they're playing right now. Yeah, all I know is that uh, since he committed, the Mannions moved into a much bigger house and Pace has been driving the fanciest <laughs> of sports cars. I mean, I'm just saying, that's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know nothing about that. I'm, I'm going to the fifth on that one. Yeah, just know up here we all love Nico too. It's Pace who's shady, and he's right. the one. Right, exactly. He's the one we're keeping our eye on. We're not worried about Nico at all, but Pace has got some growing up to do, basically. Pace would be a good nickname for Nico in a way too, just kind of the, based on the style, the, the style of play, the Pace Manian style. Yeah, yeah. Up tempo. Yeah, exactly. Nico will attack the rim. There's no question about that. <laughs> All right, well, Michael, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Anytime, guys. Michael Lev, Arizona beat writer for the Arizona Daily Star.